It's good to be with you guys here in person. I'm glad that you're joining us online as well. However you're here, I'm glad that you're here. It's been so, it's been so awesome to see so many new faces every Sunday since we've reopened the building. So, hey, if you're new here, welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name's Kale. I serve as the Timber Grove campus pastor here at The Story. And this week, we rolled out some pretty exciting news. You can now register for any of our Christmas services at thestory.church slash Christmas. So no matter where you're at, we have a service for you, whether you're worshiping here with us at our River Oaks campus, whether you're worshiping with us online, with our online campus, or whether for the first time you're worshiping with us at our Timber Grove campus at Christmas Eve. We're excited. We hope that you'll join us. Again, that's thestory.church slash Christmas. I can't think of a better way to wrap up 2020. 2020, it's, it's been complicated. I don't know about you, but I've had a complicated relationship with 2020. And I'm old enough to remember back when Facebook used to be cool. Back when it was exclusive to only college students. When you had to have a college email address to make a profile. And, and what would happen is back in the day, if you got in a fight with your significant other, what you would do, the most ruthless thing you could do, is you'd go home that night, you'd log on to your computer, you'd log on to Facebook, and you would change your relationship status from in a relationship to it's complicated. It was the most savage thing that you could do in 2005, and that's how I feel about 2020. It's complicated. It feels like 2020 has been filled with 20 different seasons. It's been full of ups and downs. I remember in January, January 7th, 2020, my wife, Kim, she came to me and she told me that she was pregnant and that we were expecting our second child. We were excited. We were joyful. And then some of you might know that in late February, my wife had a miscarriage and we lost our baby. And it was, it was a season of, of grieving for us. And, and as we started to recover in March, we had our final Timber Grove monthly preview service out at Eureka Heights Brewery. We start planning, we start gearing up for our weekly services that we're gonna have the first week in April. What happens? In late March, the pandemic hits and everyone's plans got thrown off. And then in April, Easter 2020, Pastor Eric, he preaches from an old French cathedral. And even though no one was there physically, we had the most people ever attend the Story Church on a Sunday. Not only that, it was Uversion. It was the Bible app, Uversion's Bible app. It was their biggest day ever recorded. More people read, more people shared the scripture than any other day in the app's history. Researchers have said, that Easter 2020, more people heard the gospel of Jesus than any other day in human history. It's incredible. And then two weeks later, April 20th, the price of oil crashed. The price of oil went negative for the first time ever. And the majority of Houston's economy went with it. What a roller coaster in those first four months, right? And, and then in June, 
I had two life-changing events that happened. The first is my wife, she, she said that she was pregnant again and we are expecting a son in February of 2021. We were excited. We are excited. And then the second thing that, that might've been just as life-changing, and, and if you're a parent, you'll understand, my daughter's daycare, they emailed us and they told us that they're reopening. And, and now listen, I love my daughter more than words can describe, but I also love her at daycare. <laughs> it was a great week. It was incredible. And then in August, we see the video of George Floyd being killed. And we hear the the anguish and the pain from our black brothers and sisters and the social unrest that followed. Then in September, we had schools that opened and closed. In October, we had churches opening and closing. In November, we had the most contentious election of our lifetime. And now in December, we look to the hope and the joy of the Christmas season and a new year on the horizon. 2020 has been complicated for all of us. And I'm thankful that we can see in the middle of our Bibles, we can read the book of the Psalms and it reads the same way. They're complicated and surprising. They're woven with joy and sorrow, with praise and lament, with encouragement and discouragement, with depression and delight. And I feel at home when I read the Psalms, especially this year. The Psalms, they they don't have this perfect literary arc. They're not this nice and neat beginning, middle, and end. It's a collection of 150 separate compositions written over a long period of time. They span centuries from King David in 1000 BC to the Babylonian conquest to the the Jewish exile in 538 BC. They're so extensive that it's known as a microcosm of the entire teaching of the Old Testament. The great reformer, Martin Luther, he said that the book of Psalms is a little Bible in and of itself. It's the summary of the Old Testament. The Psalms, they're known as a a hymn book of the ancient people of Israel. And and now I already know what my skeptics are thinking. If the Psalms are, are a hymn book of the ancient people of Israel, if they're about another people and another culture and another time, why should I care? And that's a good question. But the Psalms, they show us that our problems, the ones that we're dealing with right now, they are not unique in the scope of human history. They're not new and they're not hopeless. They're not unique and they're not insurmountable. God has gotten his people through worse. The Psalms, they help us understand how to respond to God when real life happens. And that's what we're doing in this series. It's a series that we're calling A 2020 Christmas, The Weary World Rejoices. And what we're doing is we're rewinding the story of Jesus' life from the cross to Christmas morning, and we're looking at it through the lens of the Psalms. Pastor Eric, he's taught us the past two weeks that Jesus sang Psalms on the cross. He sang Psalms on the cross. And today we're rewinding that story back to the night before when Jesus finds himself in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's no other passage in the Gospels 
that so clearly expresses the tension that Jesus had here on earth. We see this tension throughout the Psalms. We see this tension throughout Jesus in his time in Gethsemane. And we see this tension today. We feel this tension today and it's the tension with ourselves and it's the tension with God. And first, it's the tension with ourselves. Here's Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 38. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That line gets me every time. Doesn't Jesus sound human? Jesus, he knew the plan. He knew that he had to go to the cross. He knew he had to be crucified and die for our redemption. Yet in a garden where life grows, where beauty flourishes, disappointment and real depression developed in Jesus. And you've probably been taught how to handle this situation that Jesus is in one of two ways. Legalistic religion, it would tell you to deny your feelings. To deny your feelings. If you're depressed, if you're disappointed, it's because you don't trust God enough. Don't take that sin to God. Put your head down, plow through it, be a good Christian. Suppress it and keep moving. Or the world would tell you that your feelings are all that matters. That your feelings are sovereign. Your truth is your truth. Follow your feelings and they'll take you where you want to go. Follow your feelings and your life will be complete. Have either of those ever worked out for you? They haven't for me. And I've tried both. And the Psalms and Jesus, they teach us a better way. Here's Psalm 13 too. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Psalm 119, 28 says, my soul melts away for sorrow. These are the words of King David here, who's in a similar situation with Jesus. His, his enemies are coming after him. His life is on the line. And even if the circumstances that we have in 2020 don't match up with King David and Jesus, the feelings, the emotions that we have that we're all dealing with right now, they're still very real. And during this time, I've talked with more guys my age that have dealt with depression than I ever have in my life. Guys that, that from the outside looking in, seem like they have it all together. Guys with perfect marriages, with perfect kids, with great jobs, great family, great friends. Guys that seem like they have their life all together. And then we start talking and they tell me about how depressed they are during the season, about how anxious they are during the season, even to the point of death. And every time I think back to what Jesus says here, when he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus is giving us permission to be honest with ourselves. 
He's giving us permission to be honest with our feelings. And if I'm honest, I've struggled this year. I've struggled this year being a new pastor. The, the thing that gives me life the most, the thing that, that I love the most about being a pastor, it's building relationships with people as they build a relationship with Jesus. That's been a lot more difficult to do this year. And I felt like a disappointment. I felt like I've let people down. So what do we do when we have tension with ourselves? What should we do? We should talk to someone. We should verbalize to someone that we trust what's going on in our lives. We should do what Jesus did. Jesus, he was generally open with everyone and he was painfully specific with a few. Jesus invited everyone to follow him, but as the crowd shrunk, his vulnerability grew. Reach out to a trusted friend. Reach out to a family member. Reach out to a pastor. Reach out to someone here at the story. Reach out to someone. Let them know what you are going through. And if you're not the one going through this kind of season, I guarantee you know someone that is. Reach out to them. Let them know that you're there. I guarantee it will make a bigger impact than you think. And next, what happens when the tension isn't between our own two ears and the tension is between you and God? Here's the very next thing Jesus said in Gethsemane. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And this prayer is a little confusing because Christians believe that Jesus is truly God and also truly human. And if that's the case, then how can Jesus's will be different from the father's will? And, and usually when we come across this type of confusing question, Christians tend to throw up our hands and say, I, I guess we'll never know till we get to heaven. I, I guess we'll never know till we meet Jesus face to face. And I'm tired of that answer. I wanna go a little bit deeper. Pastor Eric, he's, he's always talking, he's always teaching us that there are layers to what Jesus says. And this prayer, it's no different. And the first, the most obvious layer here, it's the tension that Jesus feels within himself. It's important. It's important for us to hear that Jesus, being without sin, asked for the script to change. He showed us that it's okay for us to struggle with the disconnect between our desire and God's will. It's okay to acknowledge that there's a tension between your will and God's will. And maybe you have that tension today. Maybe you feel like you're more distant from God than you ever have been in your life. Maybe you feel like God has let you down for the thousandth time. Maybe you feel like you have no idea what God's will is for your life. Jesus, he's saying that it's okay to pray that you're not okay. In the second layer, it gets a little bit deeper we see Jesus modeling prayer to his disciples. He models it. There's a reason why he took his disciples to within earshot of this prayer. 
We know that his disciples heard this prayer because they're the ones who wrote the gospels. Jesus wanted them to pray this way and he wants us to pray this way too. And the third layer, the third layer that Jesus is teaching us, it's that intimacy with God. It's not only allowed, it's essential. It's required in order to have a real relationship with God. And we see this intimate relationship all throughout the Psalms as well. And the best illustration of this is Psalm 6. And this is King David again. And he says, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Can you see the similarity between this prayer and Jesus' prayer? His soul is in anguish. He asks, how long, Lord, how long? Have any of you asked that question this year? How long, Lord? How long is 2020 gonna be? How long must I be uncertain in my job? How long, Lord, how long? But how many of you have stopped your prayer right there? How many of you have stopped your prayer right there? And this prayer continues. He says, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. He's calling God his foe. He's saying, why God are you so exhausting? God, why are you my enemy? Why are you against me? And then he ends the prayer like this. He says, Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Then he thanks God for his grace and mercy and for listening to what he had to say. He goes from being fed up with God to singing his praises. How can that be? It's because intimacy grows when you are fully known when you are fully known, unless you feel like it's okay to come to God, to pray the way that Jesus prayed, to pray the way that the Psalms pray with total honesty, with total transparency, it's going to be really hard for you to surrender to God's will. It's gonna be hard. Jesus and the Psalms, they're teaching us to come to the Father with what's truly on our hearts to be open with God, to have an open heart with God. Because when we come to God with an open heart, we begin to better understand his heart. Even if we don't get what we desire, we begin to experience his grace in a way that we have a depth of his understanding. We have a depth of his grace and we conform our heart to his. You won't ever be satisfied with the will of God until you have this conversation. If you think that God doesn't want to listen to what you have to say, then at some point you will resent going along with his will. You'll resent it. And resentment, it's the number one killer of a relationship. It'll kill your relationship with God. If you want real resolution with God, if you want real peace with God, you have to know that petition is welcome in prayer. It's welcome. God's not this angry dictator in the sky. He's a loving father who listens. And until we learn how to pray the way that Jesus prayed in the garden, we're not praying to our father, we're praying to a landlord. Imagine if we had Gethsemane without the pleading from Jesus. Imagine if we had the Psalms without the honest cursing at the beginning. Imagine. 
we just have this, this empty thanks to a God that doesn't really care. We'd be giving this, this empty thanks to a God who doesn't really know us. It would be a shallow relationship with a shallow effect on our souls. Be shallow. I hear people say this all the time. They say, I know I shouldn't be telling you this. And then they tell me something, right? And then they tell me about their crisis of faith, about their doubts, about their confusion, about their anger with God. And then I tell them, no, 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 you definitely should be telling me this and you definitely should be telling God this. If you have tension in your life, honestly talk to someone about it. Honestly talk to someone about it and honestly talk to God about it. And if you don't know where to start, pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Start there. I don't think we'll ever forget 2020. I know I'll never forget 2020. I'll never forget February 26th, 2020. My wife and I, we woke up that morning and we had a, uh, we had a doctor's appointment scheduled. It was our 12-week ultrasound and we were gonna get to see our baby. I remember my wife, she, she woke up that morning and she knew something was off. She knew that something was wrong. And I remember we drive to the hospital and we just start praying. We start praying. We say, God, I don't know what's happening, but, but please save our baby. And I look over to my wife and, and tears are welling up in her eyes and, and I just lose it. I'm the crier in the relationship. She asked me to be strong and I say, you know who you married? And we get to the hospital. We park in the parking lot and we, we pray some more. We're praying to God to save our baby. And I remember at the end of that prayer, we said, no matter what, God, you are still good. No matter what, God, you are still good. And then we get out of the car and, and we're walking into the hospital and we are steps from the hospital door. And my wife, her face turns white and she looks at me. She says, I'm having a miscarriage right now. And we bypass the ultrasound tech's door and, and she goes into the bathroom and she has a miscarriage on the bathroom floor. And I remember the nurse, she leads us up to the doctor's office and my wife, she couldn't even sit on the couch. So we had to sit on the floor together. And I remember in that moment, I had never been more honest with God. I said, God, how could you do this? God, how could you take our baby, the baby that we prayed for, the baby that we rejoiced over, this baby that will never take a breath on this earth, how could you? How is this your will? How can you make good out of this situation? God, why are you doing this? And I remember in that moment, there was a peace that came over us. I remember in that moment, it's hard to describe, but God showed up for us. He showed up for us. And I remember at the end of that prayer, and that was a prayer, 
At the end of that prayer, I remember saying, no matter what, God, you are still good. No matter what, God, you are still good. And, and I text myself that morning. I said, God, I don't know why, but I know you. I have no idea why I texted myself. I never do that. And there was a depth there at that moment that I didn't have before. There was a depth there. There was an intimate relationship with God. There was this moment that I couldn't have had without that honest conversation with God. Without the agony of crying out to God, I couldn't have had that moment of peace. I couldn't have had the the deeper appreciation of his grace and his mercy. I couldn't stop singing his praises. And when we give everything to God, when we give our hearts to him, when we give our whole selves to him, when we honestly cry out to him, when we give him the dusty corners of depression, of confusion, of anger, of doubt, of apathy, of honesty, when we give him that, we start to understand, we start to get this real relationship with the father. We start to appreciate his grace in a way that we couldn't have before. And we can truly start to pray to him, not my will be done, but yours. And it's only until we do that, that we can pray that. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for who you are. God, we're thankful that you are a father that we can come to with with honesty and transparency. That you don't flee from us, that you draw near to us, especially in those moments, especially in a year like this year. So God, we're asking you to draw near to us again. God, if if we don't feel your presence, if we don't know your will, God, show it to us. God, show us who you are that you are abounding in steadfast love for us, that you are a good father that wants the best for us, that will turn any situation around for good. God, you've done it before and you'll do it again. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name.